Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Therapy for Dads podcast. I'm I'm very, very excited and humbled to share this episode with you. I had the honor and pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Dan Siegel. If you don't know who he is, just go ahead and Google him, but I'll share a little bit about him with you right now. He's the clinical professor of psychiatry at the UCLA School of Medicine. He's a well-known author, speaker, and expert in the field of interpersonal neurobiology. He has made significant contributions to the understanding of the brain and its impact on mental health, relationships, and our well-being. His work often focuses on the integration of various disciplines, including neuroscience, psychology, and mindfulness. He has written numerous bestseller books, including The Developing Mind, Mindsight, and The Whole Brain Child, which are all widely regarded for their accessible explanations of complex scientific concepts and making applicable and um, practical to our everyday life. And the conversation we have today is about his book, Intra Connection, which came out end of 2022. And so we sit down and talk about that. He shares his ideas, why he wrote it, um, his thoughts about it, his heart for it. Um, it was very insightful and I'm very, again, very grateful for him sitting down and talking to me. If you're watching this on YouTube, after listening to it, drop a comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts back and feedback. Please do. If you're listening to this on the audio, whether it's uh, Spotify or Apple or Google, um, share it with someone who you know, send me an email, drop me a comment, uh, rate the show. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's just jump into the interview. This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I am your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we provide content around the integration of holistic mental health, well-researched evidence-based education, and parenthood. Welcome. So thank you so much, Dr. Siegel, for being on the podcast. And today's topic, for those that don't know, first, Dan, Dr. Dan Siegel recently wrote this book. Well, last year it came out, the book Interconnected, which is kind of the topic of today. And so what we're going today to give a, a rough roadmap is a little bit of why Dr. Siegel kind of penned this book and then looking at some practical applications on building on this topic and idea of interconnection and the MUI which he'll talk about here. But welcome to the show, Dr. Siegel. And can you tell us a bit your thoughts and rationale as to why the world needed this book? Yeah. Well, thanks, Travis. And, you know, sometimes when people have me write the name in, in, in the, the bottom of the screen, I put ABCD, which is stands for a body called Dan, you know, <laughs> and, and, and partly I write that just to remind myself that that word self is not just the individual body that I was born into, but it's connected to you, Travis, as a person, you know, and I know you have kids at home. And so, you know, this way that we see what is the self is not just like an interesting exercise and let's look at a word and what does it mean, but for the future of your children, a minor are now adults, but I think the future of the planet depends on how we define that word. So when this started becoming clear years ago, I thought, okay, well, I've written a couple of books for parents and for therapists and stuff. And I said, you know, what about the larger community of humans and how in modern culture we define the self as the same as the individual? So in this conversation, I hope you'll call me Dan, not, you know, not Dr. Siegel, but also, you know, we're all in this together. It's a journey where at home, like raising kids or if you're a teacher teaching kids or if we're, you know, just walking down the street, how we come to experience 
self. And I'll define that when you look at all the sciences of self as simply, as you know from the book, these three letters, SPA, SPA, where you have a sensation of kind of being a center of energy flow, how it feels, the subjective feeling of it. The P is of SPA is the perspective, the point of view. And the A is agency. So when I was looking at all, you know, I always, I'm a scientist, so I was, as well as a therapist, so I was kind of saying, well, what is the science of self? And even though they don't say those three things directly or say this is what it all comes down to, that's what sort of jumped out at me when I was reading all these paper after paper after paper. It's like, oh my God, this is too complicated. But then it was super simple and I'm an acronym nut anyway. So anyway, if we raise kids like your three that you have at home, to realize that, yes, you have a body, and that's the individual you, mm. but you also have relationships with your dad and your mom, you know, your other relatives, friends, people you know. That's cool. That's important. Interpersonal relationships. Then you have relationships with all people in your neighborhood, in your community. Mm. Okay, that gets it a little bit bigger. And then you realize, wait, I have relationships with all of my fellow humans in this whole huge human family. yes. And those are all the interconnections. But then you realize you're also connected within all of nature, Hmm. that that's your sensation, perspective, and agency. Imagine a world where this wonderful species we have, humans, which definitely has our downsides. But the upside is we can be really collaborative, creative, connecting. We can really be caring. It's an awesome species. And it's also awful. It's both. You know, so... What we want to do is try to promote the awesome part of it and try to minimize the awful part of it. And I think the awful part of it is we have a case of mistaken identity. Hmm. We've confused self as a synonym for individual. And, you know, when I was starting to write this book, it was like I I literally had a a kind of a a senior guy say to me, this is really a dumb thing you're doing because Hmm. self is the individual. I said, well, I don't know. I mean... If self is the center of where you put your energy and how you try to protect the self and self-organize and, you know, things that are self-driven and all this kind of stuff, if it's just the individual, we're cooked. It explains so many of the pandemics we have, you know, the problem mm-hmm. with the climate crisis, polarization, you know, racism and social injustice, on and on. I think they're all related to, the, to confusing self as individual to think there's synonyms. So that's why I wrote the book. Yeah, and and reading through it, you know, I've listened to another, I think a book club thing you did with, I think a French woman blanking on her name, but- Yeah, Karine Hamel, yeah. There you go. And I lo- I watched it on LinkedIn and kind of hearing your talk with that that group and, and you know, this, this, this notion that you were even told that it won't do well. <laughs> you know, the book is, why write this? Like you said, it's a dumb idea. And, yeah. but, but reading it, you know, coming from- a therapeutic perspective and therapy and trauma perspective and, and working with trauma and attachment. And to me, of course, in my brain, I'm like, this is making sense because this is what I study professionally. But then also personally, as a, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, I think a, a theme that you hit time and time again is how this notion in our, you know, obviously, generally speaking, our Western culture has really isolated the individual. And so I see that 95% of the time of people coming into my clinical practice is that is a big reason why they're there. And then it it manifests in these, you know, quote unquote disorders or, you know, ways of, I think I would say maybe about survival, depression, anxiety, PTSD, or, you know, these other disorders that are labeled as disorders, but I think they're a way of surviving. 
isolation and, and pain and hurt. And you link that a lot with the attachment science too. I think there's a theme there into this notion that we're wired to connect and, and be in relationships and we get our perspectives within our family unit and then kind of these outsourcing, these kind of circles that expand our cultures and how depending on our initial mapping can really in a way be a driving force to how we identify ourselves, whether it's differentiated or if we kind of completely disconnected from other beings, so to speak. And I think a lot of times I see in my practice is a lot of disconnection, a lot of isolation, a lot of overly viewed on the self as this body, as that the person's body, and then yeah. all those perspectives. Exactly. I think it's beautifully said, Travis. And, you know, the the travesty, I'm sure that gets used <laughs> with you. Some, that it, was it, a nickname in elementary school. No, really, yeah. That people yeah. aren't thinking like you as Travis, where, you know, it's almost like... Uh, you know, like there was a theater near me, they were showing Stop Making Sense by the talking heads and the talking heads were showing up in person. So it was a long line and I wish I would have been able to get in, but I couldn't. Anyway, but even in that song, you know, we try to make sense of the world we're in. And just like a fish swimming in an aquarium where the water is not something the fish really is aware of, they're just in it and they try to adapt as best they can. You know, we're trying to make sense of this world of, you know, basically individualism, which has this unfortunate outcome of greed, of lack of compassion, of isolation, and all these then pandemics which happen. So that just to give you a simple example, if someone says, you're not like me, well, then I'm going to ignore you, or I'll mm. hit you, or I'll kill you. You know, mm. if you're not like me, I don't like you. It's that kind of weird use of the word like. Or if I'm building a factory, if I can make a lot of money building something, why would I care that I'm polluting the planet because mm. it's just a trash can, this planet we're living in. I just want to have a big bank account, yeah. you know? So you may say, oh, come on, that doesn't really happen. It does. It, it does because I don't want to say we're just human, but when we believe certain things, we live a life based on those beliefs. And mm. I do feel like the stop making sense idea is that when we say, okay, I just want to fit into modern society and I just want to be happy, which is totally understandable. And part of the privilege of being a therapist that you're beautifully describing and that I experienced too as a therapist is in the quiet solitude of that isolated place. You then come to connect with somebody and you go, I don't know how to explain this, but something's not quite right. Hmm. Something's really off. So in Interconnected, what I try to do is say, you know, there are a lot of people talking about something's not quite right. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is like, you know, and I say in the book, the splinter in the soul of humanity mm. is the human brain's vulnerability to equate self, this center of subjectivity, perspective, and agency, what you act on behalf of, with the individual body. And literally, when people would say, don't write the book, it's just so obvious self is the individual. I go, well, you know, if we're using that term self to mean what do we stand up for? I stand up for myself, you know, or it's mm. even a plural self, people like me, you know, people on my team, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, we're going to really be in trouble. So when I think about your three kids, or I think about my adult children, and I think, what can we in the field of mental health mm. offer? You know, this week is climate week in New York, you mm. can see all the protests. And I'm doing some work in Sweden, you know, something called the inner development goals, where I'll be speaking to people from the United Nations, just like are happening now in the climate week. And Every year when the report comes out from the United Nations, even though they have these things called the Sustainability Development Goals, so they said, you know, eight years ago, 
This is what we need to do. And actually, it's doable. Hmm. We know what to do, and it's doable. Here it is. Here's the outline. <laughs> you know, SDGs, Sustainability Development Goals. Every year, no, not happening, no progress, no progress, no progress. So finally, the protests in New York are all about, we've had enough. What's going on? Hmm. So this group in Sweden said, well, maybe the reason it's not happening is because people aren't looking inside of the mind. So they called me to help with their project that was already existing, you know, to be an advisor. And now I'm going to do a bunch of workshops for them over in Sweden. But it's an international meeting where this conversation about what the self is that I talk about in Interconnected, it's not just like, um, oh, isn't this kind of intellectually interesting? It could be that the splinter in the soul of human beings is this self equals individual mistaken identity. So if we as mental health professionals can help people, people meaning parents, mm -hmm. teachers, people running factories, companies, governments, all of us in whatever ways we can do it with what's called pervasive leadership, you'll find a way to make this happen. But if we can identify the splinter, it's almost like we're limping mm -hmm. through life as a human family. Let's remove the splinter. Let's name it mm -hmm. so we can frame it and do something about it. So that's that was the whole idea of the book. And, you know, people sometimes say, if you want to write a popular book, just write a book about what people already know. So they basically read it to confirm their own knowledge base. And I, and I, yeah. I think, what a waste of trees. You know, so, so yeah, Interconnected is a counterculture book saying it's what most people don't know, but they feel deep, deep inside, yes. but don't know it. And that's you know, hard to convey. That's why I try to use a lot of examples of how to make your identity lens be able to be adjustable so you can actually experience, you know, what it feels like to say, oh, I'm not just this body. And that's the joke of ABCD. So when I get on a, a call, an internet call, I say, it's a body called Dan. The self is now between Travis and this body called Dan. Mm -hmm. And the self exists in all our connections with nature. And that's the intra term is it's not just even inter where you're there, I'm here. Right. There's a wholeness that we need to act on behalf of, to have agency for. And then you can learn to have the perspective of the whole system mm -hmm. and the feeling for it. So, you know, I'm super excited about how the mental health world can be deeply useful on a global scale. Mm. And how do you see that being, I mean, what's a what's one hope or one way you see it being useful on a global scale with the mental health profession? If we can help with our expertise in the mind, say, the mind constructs identity. Mm -hmm. It's not just a given. And the mind being in part an aspect of brain function, but it's much more than that. It's the full body and it's also relational. So, but if we begin with the brain, we say, look, the brain has a vulnerability. It constructs its view of reality, and then it reinforces that own that belief. Modern culture, maybe beginning in the West with the European colonialization, absolutely could be. But let's just take a deep breath and say it's spread all around the planet now. It's not just mm -hmm. from European-derived people, but that view became dominant in modern times. It is a dominant view. So it, it you know, in, in the ways that are negatively impacting the world so that we say, OK, well, the modern mind has constructed what the human brain is vulnerable to do, mistake its identity for just its body. 
in, in, you know, indigenous cultures, that's not what's taught. It, what's mm. taught is that you are a part of this much larger whole, not only the system of people who you live in your community, but all of nature. And then not just all of nature right now, seven generations before you and seven generations after. And the way to give, lead a meaningful life is to be a good ancestor. Mm. You know, <laughs> that's like a yeah. whole different way of living than the way to live a meaningful life is make a lot of money, you know, get your big house, whatever, you know, it's yeah. like a whole different mentality. And contemplative teachings also for thousands of years independently have been teaching the same thing. So my hope is that with the mental health world and the science in this field, I work in interpersonal neurobiology. The book was just saying, look, here's a topic that's hard to talk about because it's so precious. Who am I? my identity, where do I belong? And it may be that the mistaken view of what the self is, is actually making people sick. Mm. And I would agree with, completely with that statement, seeing it in my clinical practice all the time. This view of how they see themselves, shame, right? How, you know, this negative self-prescription and self-criticism and, and often stemming from relationships, attachment figures and or deficits, things that they don't have or didn't have or big T, little T traumas, or, or somewhere in between, or the combination of all those, or other relationships at school, and they come into my office, and they come in with this depressive men, you know, presentation, or panic presentation, or something else that has been termed in our, you know, the book that we use, the DSM, which there's a whole other topic of conversation, which I'm sure you would talk about long about, but yeah, you know, and and this is is way of understanding what they're struggling with. But really, it is it's an isolation. There, there's disconnection and a lot of fear. I think of you know what this is really pushing toward is is this not just an interconnection between even us, like you and me, but in the grand scheme of of reality, of nature, of the earth, of 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 different social groups and cultural groups that were you know at the end of the book you're talking about how at the end of the day we're all human right so that we're all which is I know is we all understand that concept but how often we get away from that concept quickly <laughs> and miss yeah. that um, in are the news political discourse all these things we see how quickly we get removed and I think it's stuck in the fear and isolation of being harmed and and the threat and so we get stuck in that you know that kind of reciprocal nature of how we define ourself our tribe. And how we can get stuck in this kind of hamster wheel or self-reinforcing or, like you said, the self-fulfilling prophecy. And then we act in such a way that creates that disconnected reality, which is so sad. And even you know, if I go on the individual level, you see that people are afraid of being seen. Let's say they're afraid they'll be rejected or I'm not enough. And so they act in such a way with relationships that either self-sabotage or they push people away or even in the depressive, they don't they don't move toward people. And so in a way they then interpret that as, well, they didn't like me or I'm not enough because I went to this party or I, I wanted to say something and they did reject me or they didn't engage me or they had this facial expression. So we then tell ourselves that story of, well, this is what it must mean. I must be this thing. Now, some people have real experiences where they are told explicitly this these these terms like you're not enough or you're hor you know horrible things that they're taught or so they're said to so in some sense there is a very true reality i'm putting in quotes of that interpretation because it's very explicit right and i'm sure you've worked with a lot of individuals as well that have been told very explicit things that were quite damaging oh, yeah. especially at a young age and so i think uh, my question now is if you've been told this from an early age like from your caregiver, from parents who ever raised you that you're not enough or that you're worthless or whether that's an implied message or explicit message, how do we then begin to break? What are some practical ways we can break from that 
perspective, that story, that narrative, because I think in a way we get stuck in survival mechanisms to defend against that and adaptive responses that maybe aren't always effective and healthy, but it's trying to survive from these messages. And then if I tell someone, because in the, your chapter on choosing, it's like we have a choice to choose our reality, choose our lens, choose our, you know, all these different ideas of where we have a conscious choice. But when I'm working with someone who's really stuck in that state of kind of shame and negative messages, I don't, they don't have that, I don't think, capacity yet to see that there's a conscious choice that they can choose because I think they're still stuck in the fear. Well, if I choose this, then my fear, whatever that might be, is most likely to manifest. So how do we practically begin to break free from that with this yeah. concept of interconnection? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, Travis. And I think what I tried to do in the book by looking across the whole human lifespan is to look for exactly what you're asking about, the, mm. the windows of opportunity to understand how we develop so that you can see how does the confusion happen of the center of experience, which mm. is the self, only being your body. So you'll, you'll see in the book, you know, all these stages. What I would say is this, um, when we literally name the word self, and like I did this with this international group the other day, they said, what's, what's the one question you want to start your you know, time with? I said, okay, what is yourself? You know, what mm -hmm. is that? So then we did it. Then we did this practice called the Wheel of Awareness, which you can do from my website, drdansiegel.com, or read the book Aware or Becoming Aware. And those books guide you through this practice, which I did on the, the this long webinar kind of thing we had. When you watch people talk in the chat about what they experienced as self after the practice, hmm. even though it was just a 25-minute practice, it was profound because basically everyone has this let's just name it, an identity lens. And in modern culture, it's just like think about having a camera. It's just tightly focused in on your body. So what happens in the Wheel of Awareness practice is you're able to start with the body. So this is not about going from me to we, for example. That's not what it's about. It's about this fun word, me plus we, is we, you know. So, so what you experience is, okay, I do have a body. There's these interior sensations of the body. There's the way the body picks up energy from outside of itself. We call that the five senses, right? Hearing, seeing, and the, that kind of thing. The feelings inside the body, then your thoughts and, and feelings. So I think it's important in general, but especially in modern culture, not to say there is no self or that there is no individual or that, you know, you, you know, your self is an illusion. There are some programs that say that, and I just don't agree. Mm. As an attachment trained person, you know, when a person develops a coherent sense of an individual self, let's use that modifier, mm. then they're able to actually move into relationships with more mutual ways of having rewarding connections because their individual self has been well-developed. Now, in the interpersonal world, that inter-aspect of self, that can be also helped in therapy or in schools or wherever, where you say, you are your relationships, not mm. just your body. So you literally can say that in school, yeah. you are your relationships as well as your body. So you don't get rid of the body. Then people start saying, whoa, I'm people I know, my family, my friends, kids in my school, you know, people on my team. Oh, people in my neighborhood. And you start expanding this lens and you go, wow, that feels so meaningful. And you go, and guess what? Mm -hmm. It doesn't like, feel meaningful. 
you know, as our Surgeon General says, it is the most meaningful thing in life is Mm. interpersonal relationships. But then you take it one step further and you say, yes, you're your body. Yes, you're your interpersonal relationships. But you are also not only related to other people, you are related to all of nature. Mm. And it's not like it's you and nature, the inter aspect of between. You are nature. And then you go, whoa. And then you open that lens way wide Mm. and you go, I am the trees. Yes, Mm. I am the creek. Yes, I am the ocean. Yes. And the ocean is boiling in temperature and the air is, oh my God, we, we have to do this together. Mm. And that's where you see, you know, where the interventions can happen. Because when people start feeling these three layers of identity, the individual as inner, the relational as the inter, and the whole system that you are all of nature as the intra, those three layers are what you can sense, perceive with, and act on behalf of with your identity lens. And then when people are given this skill, let's say at home with your kids, you can do it. You can do it in schools. You can do it in companies. Hmm. You can do it in governments. So you can do it with the United Nations, which I'm going to do in a couple of weeks. So, hmm. you know, so so the idea, I know it sounds goofy, but it's pretty simple. Hmm. We've got a splinter and we're limping. Let's take a pause, say, whoops, we got a splinter. The splinter was a mistaken identity of self equals individual. That's a big problem. It's a fixable problem. And it's going to be a win-win-win situation, win for our individual lives, because you're going to feel the meaning of expanding the self. Mm. Win-win. The second win is our relational worlds will get much better when we're acting in this compassionate way. The third win is all of nature is like Mm. waiting for us to wake up from the lie of the separate self. And I see that too, you know, and thinking practically when I work with even couples and couples therapy, you know, often when they're stuck, they're acting more of that kind of one, that first dimension of the individual self. Yeah. And they're more disconnected. They're not even, they don't have that interwell. So it's more about that individualized splinter self and it's me versus her or me versus him, right? And like, well, they're wrong. I'm right. I'm hurting, right? It becomes that exactly. divisiveness. And you see it in every other aspect too. And how that how that concept, your those three layers really make sense in all avenues, in relationships and families and schools and businesses. And it you Beautiful. know it's 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 well done. And as a closeout, I know you gotta run and I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Could you just run through I know in the book you'd point a lot too, and it's on your it's on your website. I'm gonna link this in the description, write your website for this practice, but can you just do a quick run through of the different of the different senses of the wheel of awareness? Because yeah. you mentioned that a lot of this is kind of a, a daily practice to kind of help essentially work on those three layers of connection. That's exactly what it does, Travis. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the wheel is in the appendix of the book in addition Mm -hmm. to these integrative movement practices. And the reason I put it there was because you really want people to have both a conceptual understanding, like the word self is more than the individual, but you want them to feel it, an experiential Mm -hmm. understanding too. So the wheel is basically just the image of a wheel with a hub being the awareness of consciousness, the knowing. And then if I say, hello, Travis, everyone can hear that. That mm-hmm. would be a point on the rim, the sound. So you're hearing the sound. Um, but the knowing of it, we put in the hub. The sound itself, we put on the rim. So the rim has four segments. You've got the first segment is energy flow from outside the body, those first four senses. The second segment, which you then move a spoke of attention over, The second segment is the interior of the body, the sensations. Mm -hmm. You then move the spoke over to the third segment, which is mental activity, probably brain in the head activity, feelings, thoughts, feelings as in emotions, thoughts, memories, beliefs, attitudes, stuff like that. 
And then you, in an advanced practice, you actually bend the spoke around or just leave the spoke in the hub. Yeah. And you experience pure awareness in the hub itself, like being mm. aware of awareness, which is amazing. I do this every morning and it's like a kick every time you get to do this. It's just mm. incredible. Uh, and then the fourth segment is your relational sense, a sense of connection to people you know, to all of humanity, to all of nature. So you're, you're doing three things. You're training attention to be focused. You're training awareness to be open and you're training intention to be kind. Mm. And when you do those three pillars, research on other practices show you improve the physiology of your body. So you're healthier because you're reducing inflammation. You're optimizing an enzyme called telomerase that repairs and maintains the ends of your chromosomes and other things too. So it's medically very healthy for you. And you're actually changing the structure and function of your brain mm. in a way that's called more integrative and Studies have shown that the more integrated your brain is, the more resilient your mind is and the healthier and happier you are. So this is a practice that has all three pillars built into one. They're usually in separate practices, mm. those ones that are researched. And it's something you can do every day and just yeah. come to my website and, and dive in. And, you know, what's beautiful about it is, is it has built into it this sense of muy which is how mm. you end the whole wheel practice. Yeah. And what I love too is that you have, with this wheel of awareness practice, just those that are listening or watching, Dan. Um, Thank you. Has had 50,000 plus participants in studying, right? This 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 practice. That have this, done it in person. That's right. They've done it in person. The so there's a lot of, this isn't just something that Dan pulled out of thin air and said, hey, do this practice. Like he's a clinic, he's a researcher, he's a, he's a scientist, and he did this with 50,000 plus in-person practices prior to the pandemic. And so there's a lot here to this. And I love that it's practical of how do we, because again, how do we take this, this idea, these ideas, and put it on the ground level of actually doing the work. And I think one practice is that will of awareness practice. As we close, yeah. what, 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 what should we be looking out for you next? I, th I heard you're working on a new project. And yeah, we should well, be we of. can do this. So <clears throat> the first thing to say is you listening to Travis and to this body called Dan, you know, together we can make this happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm working on uh, all sorts of projects, another book and all sorts of things, but this would be a great one to start with is Interconnected. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Travis. Yeah, thank you, Dan. You have an excellent day. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone.